Well, it's, uh, it's good to be here. It's good to see everybody tonight. We're talking tonight about the topic of uh, diligent Bible study. And for many of those who have uh, studied the Bible and the Scriptures for any, any length of time, uh, you can't think about being diligent with regard to the Scriptures without thinking about the Jews in Berea. In fact, many Bible study groups, Sunday school groups, different classes at churches that are, are all about getting into the Scripture are called the Bereans for this, this reason. The Bereans, you see, they're a shining example of what faithfulness to the Word of God looks like. And they give us great inspiration on how we should treat the Scriptures. There's actually only five verses in Scriptures that are dedicated to the Bereans. They have what many would see as a minor role in the whole of Scripture, but their testimony is dynamite. So let's examine what their role is, and hopefully we will gain some insight on how we should study and treat the Word of God. We can find the account of the Bereans in Acts chapter 17, starting in verse 10. I'll be reading from the New International Version. It says in verse 10, As soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea, and upon arriving there, they were sent, or sorry, they went, rather, to the Jewish synagogue. Now, before we continue with what actually took place in Berea, it's going to be worth our time to understand what happened leading up to this event. Paul and Silas had been visiting to preach the gospel in a city called Thessalonica. However, in Thessalonica, their message was not met with enthusiasm from the Jews. In fact, if we look in, in chapter 5, or sorry, excuse me, verse 5 of chapter 17 uh, here in Acts, it says, But other Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace. They formed a mob and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. So the Jews were upset and jealous because they were losing a religious war uh, that was going on between them and the Christians. Now, this was not a literal, physical war. This was a war uh, of ideas because now the Christians are saying that, hey, uh, your Messiah has come, you crucified him, and the Jews are saying, no, we're still waiting on our king. So it was not a literal war, it was a war of ideas, but ultimately what this ha what led to was a persecution of the Christians. A persecution of the Christians. In fact, if you recall, until his conversion, Paul was actually one of those Jewish persecutors. So it must have been even more infuriating for the Jews now that Paul was proclaiming the very gospel he had sought to destroy. Because remember, if you look back in chapters 7 and 8 of Acts, you see Paul at the stoning of Stephen, the first uh, Christian martyr outside of Jesus Christ, the first martyr for the church, and Paul was there. Now his, his name was Saul at the time, but Paul was there. So Paul is this great persecutor of the Christian. And we see all throughout the New Testament how Paul laments his role as a persecutor of the church. But he understands now that Christ is the Messiah, and he's preaching this to uh, the Jews on behalf of the very people he sought to destroy. So back to Acts chapter 17. So they got some bad characters, is what it says in the NIV in, in verse 5. Now, I think the NIV puts it a little, uh, a little soft. The New American Standard is much more forceful. It doesn't say that these were bad characters. It says that these were wicked men. 
The New King James said these were evil men. These men were uh, morally worthless. That's what the word in Greek actually means, morally worthless. They were worth nothing as far as moral value, and they definitely weren't friendly to the gospel of Christ. And so now they've got this mob, they've got this riot, and they're going after Paul and Silas, so they have to get out of Thessalonica as quickly as possible. And in verses 9 and 10, we see that the believers were able to post bond, and they got Paul and Silas out of the city. So in verse 9 it says, they, then they made Jason and the others post bond, and they let them go. As soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea, and on arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now, one thing I want to note here is that regularly, Paul's first stop in a new city was the synagogue. This was not to agitate the Jews, though that certainly was a result. Rather, Paul, remember, he himself was a Jew. So he felt the need to reach out to God's chosen people, his own people. His heart burned for the Jews. He wanted to see them come to Christ after he had his dramatic uh, conversion on the, the, the road to the Damascus. Wow, I can't talk tonight. On the road to Damascus. But we need to stop here for a moment and ask ourselves a couple of questions. Do we have this kind of love and burning desire for those that we grow up with, those that are around us? Do we have this kind of desire for the lost in America? You know, it's it's easy to talk about what's going on in America in the uh, way that America is losing its way, but do we actually have a desire to see those who are not for us come to Christ? I want to challenge you by thinking about that as we as we continue continue on in this study, but think about that. Do we have a burden and a passion for those that are around us. But the passage, it, it tells us something very interesting about the Jews in Berea and explained that there was a stark contrast from what Paul and Silas experienced in Thessalonica to what they were now going to experience in Berea. It, it's starting in verse 11, it says, Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness, and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. And as a result, many of them believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek men and women. Note that Berea was about 45 miles uh, from Thessalonica to the southwest. So they were neighbors to the Jews in Thessalonica, but the passage states that they were of more noble character than their neighbors in Thessalonica. The Jews in Thessalonica didn't want to hear what Paul and Silas had to say. They shut them out before they even began. But in Berea, they were noble, or in other words, open-minded to the gospel. They had higher character. It says that they received the message with a great eagerness. In other words, they were happy to hear what Paul had to say. They were excited about it. They wanted to hear what this highly trained man of the scriptures, and remember, if you read uh, the rest of the New Testament, you will find out that Paul was as highly trained as they had as they came, and he they wanted to hear what he had to say about the possibility that their Messiah had actually come. But even with this enthusiasm, even with all of their eagerness and this excited longing to hear what Paul had to say, they did not take it for granted. No, they did not just want to sit there. They didn't want to check their watch and hope that service was almost over, thinking about. 
what game they were going to watch that afternoon, what they were going to do for the rest of the day. Uh, in fact, what they had to do that afternoon wasn't even a thought because they went back and they examined the scriptures to see what Paul was telling them to see if it was true. To examine, to scrutinize, to give a detailed analysis, to discover. They want to discover the essential meaning, the core of what was being said to find the truth. They searched the scriptures. They didn't just hear the word that Paul gave and accept it like mindless sponges. They took it seriously. This was something that was just too big to just believe at first word just because it sounded good. They didn't want something that sounded good. How often do we hear messages that just make you feel good? No, they didn't want to hear something that just sounded good. They wanted to hear the truth, and they wanted to be sure that what was told to them was the truth. They didn't want to be misled and worship a, worship a false messiah, because remember, to the Jews, if they followed a false messiah, that would be the largest betrayal of God that they could make. They had to be sure that this was true. The Jews were serious about the study of the Scripture. Remember, these people come to study the Scriptures, taking to heart passages like Psalm chapter 1. It says, Blessed is the one who does not step in the wicked way, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the seat of the mockers. But his delight is the law of the Lord. And he meditates on his law day and night. They delighted on it. They meditated on it every day. This was standard practice for the Jews. In fact, the Jewish Talmud states this, As the child must satisfy its hunger day by day, so must the grown man busy himself with the Torah, not day by day, busy himself with the Torah, that's the law of God, each hour. Could you imagine what our lives would be like if we dedicated time each hour to the study of God's word? Wow. Verse 12 of our text gives us what they found. And they found that Paul, what Paul said was true. And because of this, many of them believed. It says not only did the Jews come to know Christ and believe, but so did some prominent Greek men and women. Now, we don't know exactly who these people were, but it would have been somebody of a notable position, somebody who was important. The Bereans examined the scriptures. They thoroughly checked their sources and verified what Paul was telling them. And what Paul was telling them, Jesus Christ is your Messiah. But let's notice again what it says in the middle part of verse 11. And they examine the scriptures every day. In fact, I, I like the way the Living Bible puts it. It says, but the people of Berea were open-minded, more open-minded than those in Thessalonica and gladly listened to the message. They searched the scriptures day by day to check up on what Paul and Silas' statements were to see if it was really so. So this wasn't just something that they did when they wanted to find out. They It wasn't just something if they did, if they were had, had something assigned to them, if it were a Sunday school lesson. Now, obviously, they didn't have Sunday school then, but if they did, a Sunday school lesson to be taught. This was something they did every day to find the truth. They wanted truth. They wanted to know God. They wanted to know their Messiah and their Savior. And it took diligent study to accomplish this. In fact, diligent study was their top priority. So the truth had been found in Berea, but as happens so many times, the truth brought trouble. Look in verse 13. But when the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God at Berea, some of them went there too, agitating the crowds and stirring them up. 
The believers immediately sent Paul to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed at Berea. And those who escorted Paul brought him to Athens and left with inst- and left instructions for Silas and Timothy to join him as soon as possible. So the Jews in, in Thessalonica, they just couldn't leave it alone. Remember, they were wicked and evil men. They heard that the gospel is now being preached by Paul just a little ways away. Remember, it's neighboring just 45 miles away in Berea, and they wanted to put a stop but once stop to it, but once again, Paul slipped through their fingers. And the believers took care of Paul and sent him on his way to Athens. Often, the truth is going to bring us trouble. The entire ministry of Christ is 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 perfect example of this. So I don't know where these people get this prosperity doctrine, but this doesn't sound like prosperity doctrine to me. It brings trouble. The apostles show this. Christ shows this. It often leads to persecution. Paul knew this, but thought it was worth the cost. And we see that in Philippians. I mean, he says in Philippians 1, 20 and 21, I eagerly expect and hope that in no way will I be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death, because for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Paul understood the cost of the truth, as did the Bereans. He was willing to pay that cost just so the truth would be proclaimed. So, what are we to take away from this? What can we learn from the example of the Bereans? How often... Do we let things get in the way of our time in the Word of God? Do we diligently search the Scriptures for truth, or do we just take whatever the speaker is is saying for granted? Do we ever bother to verify what they say? Tonight you're hearing what I say. Are you just assuming that it's true? I mean, I will admit that I would never intend to misinterpret or make a mistake in my Bible teaching. But that does not mean I'm not capable of doing so. I'm a man, and all men make mistakes. We're fallible and we're prone to error. So for this reason, you should never take what I say, what any speaker says for granted without checking the scriptures to see for yourself that it's true. We should be in the Word daily. Not because it's something that we're supposed to do. That's because it's something that we are excited to do. We should have a love for the Word of God that drives us to the da- live daily in the Word. Do you have that kind of love and respect for the Bible? Is that something you can say you honestly strive for? If the answer is no, and trust me, I'm talking to myself as much as anyone, I think you really need to ask yourself, why not? Why do I not have a love for the Word of God? And how can I get it? God, help me to get a love for your Word. Help me to be diligent in my search and study of the Scriptures so I can be like the Jews in Berea. Let us pray.